Andy Brandy is a three-time NCAA national championship coach of the University of Florida women's tennis team and a former professional coach of some of the best players in the world, including Kathy Rinaldi, Carling Bassett, and Lisa Raymond. Born in San Juan, Puerto Rico, Coach Brandy attended Trinity University in San Antonio, where he played Division I tennis. My all-time favorite and toughest mentor, Andy Brandy, welcome to Down 40 Love. Thanks, man. It's good to be here with you. Yeah, I lead with you being the toughest mentor I've ever had for one reason I've given this thought, and that's because you've never been afraid to tell me what I need to hear versus what I would want to hear. So I'd like to start off there. I mean, how did you become this person and this coach that leads with candor, you know, with that kind of communication style? Where did that start for you? Well, I've had, I've been very fortunate to have good mentors. And the fact that I took what I felt was most important that they had to offer and implemented it into, you know, the way I do things and the way I operate. Um, Mr. Hoffman was a very hardworking man. He was a very humble person, um, but he was so respected that, you know, people would do anything to be on the court with him. And I was very fortunate to be on the court with him quite a bit. I worked for Nick Boletari, who I had known since I was six, seven years old when he used to come to Puerto Rico and work at Dorado Beach. And in working with Nick, um, I basically understood what work ethic was and what being driven was. And, and so, you know, that showed me that hard work and dedication and perseverance is going to get you ahead in the game uh, if you keep at it. So I don't, you know, I, not many people had the chances that I've had to train under them and work for them. So it was interesting on being both sides of the fence. I'm completely with you on that because I feel like I'm also so fortunate. I mean, I, you're aware, you know, of the work, obviously, that that we did together for three years in Boca Raton. And, you know, I also count Dick Gould at Stanford and Frank Brennan at Stanford as well as mentors and Greg Patton, you know, the great motivator at UC Irvine and Boise State. Um who were some of your mentors in your personal life growing up? And what were some of the lessons that you learned there, you know, maybe through tennis, through a, a, as a competitive junior tennis player, and maybe um, in your family? Well, I was very lucky to have a um, terrific coach when I was a youngster in Welby Van Horn in Puerto Rico. Uh, way ahead of his time. Uh, incredible technician uh, and gave me the foundation of my teaching philosophy. I think that uh, in him, I saw, you know, he, he believed a lot in you 
doing more on your own than being led by the hand. Uh, we were only given 30-minute private lessons a week, and the rest of the time you were grinding it out yourself. So it taught me to be independent in the game of tennis and understand that you know I had to work hard to maintain his attention. The other person that um, really impacted me is you know, obviously my father. My father uh, had been in the advertising business for years and years and years. And he, you know, he always put some thoughts uh, in my mind that kept me going and kept me thriving and, and gave me a lot of opportunities that he certainly didn't have and wanted to provide to me for me to become more successful and a better person at the same time. What's one thing that your father may have said to you that you still remember to this day? It's real easy. I, I quote this literally every day. He used to say to me, either you do or you don't. If you're saying, I'm working hard, I'm improving, it's getting better, it's a polite way of saying no. He used to say that. And, you know, it's, it's stuck with me for the rest of my life. And, it's, and that's the truth. Either you do or you don't. And if you do, it's getting done. The other things are just, I don't want to call them excuses, but they're a way of sugarcoating being on the other side. Yeah, I, I know you too well. You you don't play the sugarcoating game um, too much, uh, but you definitely set the bar. I mean, I know when we were working together, I mean, it was my mission to get to the office before you do to open up the place. You know, I took pride in that, but it was because of the example that you set every single day and just the importance of mentors cannot be overstated. Can you take us uh, a little bit um, on the journey that led to your opportunity at University of Florida? Well, um, I, at the time, was working for Nick Boliteri. And what I did for Nick is I traveled basically with four players, Lisa Bonder, Kat, Carling Bassett, Jimmy Arias, and Aaron Quickstein. I had a year-and-a-half-old son, that with my wife were living in Bradenton. And there was uh, a trip where I was gone like 10 weeks in a row. Um, and when I got home, it's like my son looked at me and said, you know, who are you? And that's when I realized that I had to cut back. Fortunate for me, I ran into a person by the name, uh, by the last name of Baxter, at the at a parking lot and I said to her you know I'm trying to get out of tennis as far as traveling you know I would love to try a university and she had attended University of Florida made a call for me and you know Tori was nice enough to get me an interview and I and I went and interviewed and and that's how I got the job Incredible. I didn't know that. So you were highly successful 
most likely the um, the most successful coach in the history of University of Florida women's tennis. Um, I'd say that's actually a certainty. What were some of the keys to your success at Florida? Like, what was your philosophy? Um, how did you approach building culture, player development, all of that good stuff that that makes a dominant program? Well, I had the luxury of coming from professional tennis. So when I recruited in those days, uh, I would tell the young ladies that I was recruiting that there was nobody else in women's collegiate tennis that had any kind of experience in pro tennis the way I did. So I basically set the program according to what I did with professionals. I mean, the practices were structured the same way. Uh, the individual work, uh, all the girls got two, three, four hours a week individually. Um, the fitness was set in such a way that it was comparable to professional tennis. And, you know, we started, I think we may have been the first program to institute massage therapy. And so back in the early 80s, you know, after a grind of a week, these young ladies would be treated to an hour massage to, you know, work the, uh, the tightness and, you know, improve on the flexibility that they needed to, to keep working hard. I think the other thing is that I had their trust and they knew that I wanted to succeed as much as they did, if not more than they did, which in some cases got in the way, to be very honest with you. Um, and, and they wanted to be pushed. And the, the, the practices were tough. And my message to them was, these practices will make matches seem like a piece of cake. And they wanted to, you know, they wanted to battle. They wanted to uh, play well, and they wanted to compete, and they wanted to succeed. So it was it was pretty easy, to be very honest with you. I think the people that I recruited fit perfectly to the style and the way we did things there. And to be honest with you, the culture was left up to them. They basically cared for each other, looked after each other, and helped each other through through tough times. And that way, I didn't really want to get involved in things that they didn't want to do or how they wanted to do it. And I left it all to them to basically help the young ones, mentor the young ones, and guide the young ones. And to be candid with you, that process uh, carried through for when they would turn professional. The ones that were on the tour would guide the younger ones that were just getting on tour. I mean, I think the perfect example was when Lisa Raymond turned pro, Sean Stafford was like her on-tour mentor. And that helped Lisa tremendously, plus the fact that I – <clears throat> travel with both of them 
in some cases. So, you know, it, it, it was just carrying one idea into another and uh, letting things fall in place. So what I hear you saying is you were able to create a sense of ownership on the team by empowering the players to make their own decisions and to look out for each other. Is that correct? Yeah, they knew I was very demanding. But I think when you look back, they wanted me to be demanding because they wanted excellent and they wanted success. Um, and they wanted to win. So the fact that my, I hate to say my personality carried over into their way of thinking, uh, helped them become the successful program that it became. How important, um, when you were in the midst of things in the industry, I mean, how important was your reputation in the marketplace? What other coaches, or what other people thought about you as a leader? <laughs> uh, I'm sure some of them thought that I was a little crazy and maybe a little too out there as far as demanding and, you know, in your face and so on and so forth. But I think... They respected the fact that um, I worked hard. They respected the fact that I was developing players that became successful at college level and professional level. And they respected the fact that I was friendly with everybody and anybody. So I didn't hold any grudges. I didn't hold you know, any animosity to anybody, whether I won or lost to them. And I think they they kind of understood that, you know, I could accept the outcome uh, and still be, you know, a civilized person. I mean, what I've always loved about you is that you understand at a visceral level that people want to be pushed. And, you know, the role of a leader and the, the job of a coach is to do the pushing. And, and you can't do the pushing and be concerned with overly concerned with being liked and being accepted. Um, I think another thing that you pointed out, which I think is really valuable for the audience, uh, whether they're in sports or business, is once you accepted the position at UF, you immediately crafted a sales story. You know, this is who I am. This is where I, I'm from. This is how I'm different and we're going to be different are you with me? And you, you led with a, with a clear message from day one, and then you surrounded yourself with like-minded competitors to, to get the job done. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, they knew I was tough. They knew I was demanding and they knew what they had signed up for. But you know, the fact that every freshman that played for me played for a national title shows that their work and dedication created opportunities that not many people had as such an early career in collegiate tennis. 
there was a secret to your ability to build trust in the people that you work with and the players that you coach, what would that be? What's your secret? I think it's my track record. Uh, I mean, you know, they knew what I had achieved before I came to University of Florida. They knew what I achieved while I was at University of Florida. And so they understood that uh, what was inside my brain worked. It succeeded and it created further opportunities for them once they got there. So the power of credibility. 100%. I think uh, trust you earn by showing the person that what you are delivering is the right thing and that it will come to fruition at the end of the road. And I, they knew that. They yeah. knew that. They knew that whatever tweak I thought of would be the right one. The best example I can give you is Nicole Arndt. When she came to Florida as a freshman, she had a two-handed backhand. It looked very unnatural, incredibly unnatural. So at the end of her freshman year, I call her coach, George Basho, and I say, George, if we want her to further her career, we need to go from a two-handed backhand to a one-handed backhand. And he was all on board. And so we, we switched her at 18 years old from a two-handed backhand to a one-handed backhand. And the rest is, you know, history. She became number one player. She, with Manon Bolograf, she was number one in the world in doubles. And she was a top 30 player in singles with a one-handed backhand. I don't think she could have done that with the old backhand that she had. And she trusted. You know, she said, okay. Let's do this. And so those are the kind of things that because of your knowledge and your understanding, they accept that they know you're doing something that's going to make them better, that is not going to make them worse, and that it's not an experiment, that it's happened before. And I think for you, it's instinctive, which is another you know, unbelievable quality you know, that I admire in you that you forged through experience, but also through your attention to, de- to detail. When I think about attention to detail, I think about Andy Brandy. And for me, that's where the trust comes in. Because before we knew each other, I understood what your track record was. I had heard all, I'd heard all different kinds of stories. And I remember the first time I approached you was actually at the University of Miami and you were very, very approachable and very, very kind. And, you know, we, over time, we, we built a great relationship, but I think that attention to detail is what would make me choose you as the guy over anybody else in the marketplace. When you're talking about the desire to create peak performance and to be the best at what you do, can you speak a little bit about how you think about 
attention to detail on a daily basis? Well, that's the difference. I mean, and I learned that honestly uh, from professional tennis. I mean, you had to really look and read between the lines so that uh, when you coached or you gave a player strategy, you, you knew what was going to happen. Um, and sometimes things that seemed the wrong thing turn out to be the right thing. Uh, and I'll give you <laughs> Lisa Raymond <clears throat> in the finals of the indoor intercollegiate tournament played Erica DeLone. Erica had an unreal backhand. Unreal. So you won't want to really play her backhand. So one of the things I told Lisa, it was played on a very fast court. So one of the things I told her is, I want you to come to net with a slice to her backhand and force her to hit the backhand down the line. And she looked at me like I was out of my mind. She would say, that's her best shot. And I would say, yeah, not on the surface. And so the fact that the ball was low and she had to go over the highest part of the net, you know, was a difficult task for her and a successful thing for Lisa. And so when I, when she finished the match, she just kind of looked at me and said, how did you figure that out? And I said, well, the court was fast. The ball was going to stay low and she had to go over the highest part of the net. So that means her passing shots were going to be extremely low percentage. And if she was going to win that match, she was going to have to hit a lot of very difficult passing shots. And she, Lisa won pretty easily. So that's the kind of thing that details uh, give you in order to create a successful strategy in what you do. And in that situation, you weren't just coaching strategy. You were coaching the mental side of the game. I mean, what, what did those tactics do to Erica's psyche in that match? Well, she, she couldn't believe she was missing all those shots. <laughs> and, and so, you know, instead of varying the passing shot cross-court maybe or hitting an offensive lob, she went with her best shot, which was a backhand down the line. And on that day, it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> hey, Coach, what does down 40 love mean to you? You know, down 40 love means you're in a difficult spot and that uh, you have to figure out a way how to get out of it and get it back to a neutral position and not give in into the adversity. And I think a lot of times people go, oh, I'm down 40 love. I I'm going to lose this game. No, you don't have to say that. You, uh, you know, you have to work with it and uh, figure out how you can get it to a neutral position and eventually get it into, into your advantage.
how have you approached um, overcoming adversity throughout your career? Because you, you have three national championships. So three years, I believe, in a 17-year career at University of Florida. So 14 of those years, you're going home with a loss, which is what I tell people all the time. I mean, in 2022 at McKendry, we had our best season ever. We were 21 and three. We won the conference for the first time in program history. Um, we finished top 25 in the country at 22, first time in program history. But at the end of the day, we still went home with a loss. What, what are some of the strategies you use to overcome adversity? Well, adversity is an opportunity to succeed. And you have to just basically find the right twist to make it your advantage. And sometimes you have to be clever. Sometimes you have to be humble. And sometimes just the fact that you're not going to give up and you're going to keep fighting and keep clawing away is going to make you uh, overcome that adversity. I think people give in into adversity too much um, and they um, just lay down and die. And that's not the way it is. You, adversity is an op opportunity to succeed, to turn something around and, and gain advantage of it and succeed from it. Coach, if you were to give yourself your 21-year-old self some advice, what would those words of wisdom be? <laughs> That's easy. Okay. That's easy. I would tell myself that I basically thought I knew a lot more than I really did at 21 and that my job at that age was continue to learn, continue to uh, gain knowledge and continue to uh, give myself opportunities to uh, keep my career going in a, uh, a direction that I wanted to go. Coach, what do you want your legacy to be? Well, I think my legacy would be that I passed on knowledge and uh, mentored people to uh, help them succeed in, in a career that they're passionate about and that I was passionate about uh, and that, you know, I earned my position by hard work and dedication and luck and the fact that um, they respect it. they respect me because I earned it, and they respect me because I wanted to share uh, those things with them to give them those same opportunities. Well, you certainly um, embody that for myself, and the audience should know. I mean, I'll never forget. I mean, every single day. I'd go to the court and your court, the, the basket would be 
in the same place every day, the towel would be perfectly draped over the basket handle. You were so meticulous in everything you did and in everything that you said. You never minced words. You've always been a person of integrity. And I appreciate you so much. I mean, I, you know, I'm thankful that you're taking the time to share with us today. And um, it's just unbelievable to, to not only look back, but to reconnect with you to see, you know, what you've got going on now and all, all the good stuff in, in your family and in your, in your work. And um, if you were to give one last piece of advice for up and coming coaches uh, in, in tennis, what would you say to them? I would say to them that you need to study the game, that you want to follow the game. I think very few coaches sit and watch tennis on a regular basis and to, you know, get opportunities to listen to successful coaches, whether you sit on the side of the court and listen to them or you're listening to them on YouTube or a podcast to get some insight to their knowledge and their experience and then apply it to you, but at the same time, not trying to be them. You are you. And basically a lot of times people say, well, I want to be like him, so I want to act like him and talk. No, that doesn't work. You need to be you and you need to formulate your own philosophy and your own thoughts uh, with your own voice. And a lot of times people think that they have to act and behave and speak like well-respected coaches that have succeeded. So learn, listen, and be yourself. Coach Brandy, you're one of a kind. Thank you for your time today. Thanks, Brandy. I enjoyed it. Appreciate you reaching out to me.